We're in a two-part series right now in the Word of God called, If My People. If My People. Now, this stems from what God put in my heart last week. I didn't know it was going to be a two-parter until I started diving into this text that I'm going to talk a little bit about here this morning. But I want to make this very clear, and I want you to know that at the end of this message, I'm going to give a clear distinction for you to commit to Jesus, to pray, and to commit your life to him in a way that maybe you haven't before. So it it matters not whether you have a, a church that you attend, or this is your first time, or you're a guest, or you're streaming online right now. I want you to know something. That if you call yourself a believer today, there's a mandate and understanding to pray for breakthroughs. There is a call to pray for a breakthrough. Every single one of us have been called to make a difference in the world around us. And in 2 Chronicles, we read about a specific text, and a lot of people will quote this text. A lot of people will quote, if my people, if my people who are called by, and I read that last week, and many of you have raised your hand if you ever heard that verse. If my people who are called by my name, right? You heard many times. You probably heard multiple sermons from people better than me preaching this sermon. But I believe that this word that God has given me for this hour is very important and very, very timely for the place in which our church is in right now. Not just our physical church, but our spiritual body globally. How many know that what is happening in America is not just happening in America? It's happening spiritually, globally. There is, there is, a, there is a sense of spiritual lockdown that is happening. That people are feeling bound. They feel restrained. And I'm telling you, that is the opposite of what God wants you to live like. He doesn't want you to live bound. And and in fact, this text that I'm about to uh, continue to unfold a little bit this this morning, I want to talk to you about the antidote for America's ailment. The antidote for America's ailment. If you're streaming online right now, I invite you to take a moment and please share this message because I believe that that two seconds that it'll take to hit share and post could really change someone's life radically. Not just a little bit, but radically change their lives. How many believe the word of God can change our life? Yeah? So let's dive into it for a moment because we're talking about 2 Chronicles. And we're talking about a passage in which Solomon was building the temple, right? And so we look at this temple and the years that it took to build it, they had been building the temple at this point for seven years. And so the time has come to dedicate the temple and Solomon prayed. Solomon is kneeling on a small platform that has been built for this occasion, and his hands are lifted to heaven, and he offers up a prayer. And I stop for a moment, and I say, how many times have we downplayed how important the temple is? How, how we downplay how important the house of God is? Well, Pastor Tony, I believe I'm the house of God. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's a nice cop-out. I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit just like you are, but that doesn't mean that we don't gather together. That doesn't mean that we don't gather for a reason that's bigger than ourselves. There's something that happens in a room like this that does not happen in my bedroom, my living room, my kitchen. 
It doesn't happen in my study hall, though some great things happen. I've had many wonderful encounters in my office where I prayed and I said, God, show me some things about your word that I've never seen before and some wonderful encounters with God that I said, God, show me what I'm supposed to preach. And some of you, preacher or not, you've opened up your Bible and you had an encounter with God, right? How many have opened up your Bible and you opened up to a scripture like, show me what to pray. And then right now it said like Judas hung himself like, whoa, wait, whoa, that's not, that's not the scripture I'm supposed to look for. And so, you know, and you, you kind of look at different and you say, Lord, show me. And, but, but you've had real serious encounters with God. How many have had a serious encounter with God by yourself? We don't, dis- we don't discount that. We don't discount that. We believe that by, by all stretch of the imagination, God can do that in that environment. That's how come the Holy Spirit lives within you. But there's something that happens in the house, and Solomon knew that. And he dedicated the temple, and he prayed. And what kind of prayer did he pray? Well, first of all, we recognize that Solomon recognized a couple things. And here's what I want to talk about. God's people must recognize some of the things that Solomon recognized at that moment. Now, you say, well, Pastor Tony, this is Old Testament. It doesn't matter. All of God's word is good for all of us today. God didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Jesus, that is, came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So what are we doing? We believe in God for great breakthroughs. And one of those great breakthroughs is the opportunity to fellowship. God's people must recognize, number one, the purpose of the house. Solomon recognized how important it was for the people, God's people, to gather together. And he said, let this place be dedicated to you. And I want to throw this thought your way. The church is not a house to contain God, but instead a house to obtain God. The church is not a house to contain God, but instead to obtain God. Not just the only place, but I believe a lot of people look at church, you know, there's some people that look at church as a place where this is the only place where God, no, 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 we don't believe that at all here either. We don't believe that church is the only place, and that would mean that we're containing God, right? Instead, I believe strongly that this is a special place that God has set aside for us as believers to obtain a dose of his presence that we would otherwise have not discovered on our own. There's something that happens among believers. There's something that happens among people of like faith. And if my people discover this, that there is power and anointing when God's people gather together. There's something very special about that. Fellowship in the house of God should be something that we experience and we, we, we celebrate instead of trying to downplay it like, well, I don't need to go to church. Can I, ask, can I ask you not to downplay the house of God like that? Can I ask you to reconsider that there's something that happens in this room that doesn't really happen outside of these four walls? Though it's not the only place. We are not the only church. There, is, there are other churches in this valley that are doing amazing things. And so we're one of many. But there's one church, the Church of Jesus Christ. We just have different locations in which we meet. Hello? Some of y'all get that. And there are people that will hurt you here and hurt you there and hurt you everywhere. The difference is how will you approach those things? Because none of us are perfect. I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. Well, guess what? Don't go to that perfect church because you'll ruin it. 
Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Is that right? I'm going to find the perfect church. Good luck with that. I've been to a lot of them. Great churches. But none of them are perfect. We got to lean on God and realize this is not a place that we contain God, but it's surely a place to obtain him. Amen? Who's with me? See, so what they did was they decided they wanted to... They, they decided they wanted to please God, and so they decided to, a, a place to offer sin offerings. And so they might find a covering for their sins. So what did they do? They sacrificed animals that, uh, that, that, to, to cover their sin. And, and so we realized that church is a place where we sacrifice, right? It's a place where things go to die. The problem with a living sacrifice is that we keep trying to crawl off the altar. Right? We come to Jesus as a living sacrifice. Lord, I come to you as a living sacrifice, but we're trying to crawl off the altar like, Lord, no, sacrifice me too much because it might hurt. No, no, no. A sacrifice is slayed at the altar. And it's going to hurt a little bit sometimes. God's going to step on your toes, and man, sometimes he sends me to do it. I got an amen. I wasn't sure I was going to get one. I'll take it. Put it in my back pocket for later. I might need it. Well, we realize that when we come to him as a living sacrifice, the biggest problem is that living sacrifice is still living, and it has to try to crawl off the altar because that's our nature, isn't it? We, wanna, we, want, we don't want to be hurt. We don't want to be discom- discomfort. We don't want discomfort. We want to be comfortable. But can I tell you something? A comfortable church is a scary church. A comfortable church is a changeless church. A, a, a comfortable church is an ineffective church. We have to continuously lay ourselves at the altar and say, God, there's nothing that I can bring you of myself of any worth. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I think we've all been there. But we say, God, I bring to you myself. So let's talk about that for a moment. So the first thing we realize is that the church is a place where we could find purpose. Right? We could find purpose in the house. Also, uh, the, the house of God, there's a sin issue sometimes, right? And so we realize throughout Scripture how many times the people of God, God called out his people. He said, there's sin in the house. Right? There's sin in the house. And, and this is the part, of, part of the service where you're going, uh-oh. There's a sin issue sometimes, isn't there? Now, I don't have, I, I don't have a list of everybody's sins. I don't have a list here where I can be like, okay. When I call your name, please come to the front, starting with the A's. How many know that by the time we get to B, I'm going to be by myself? Come on, somebody. Right? A, Amanda. You know, how many know that after Amanda, it's gone? Everybody's gone. That wasn't for you, Amanda, if you're here, but... I just picked the name of A. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm saying to you today is this. May our prayer always be, Lord, keep our eyes on you as the author and finisher of my faith. Because if I keep my eyes on myself, I will want what I want all the time. But if I keep my eyes on him... I can, I can pursue the things that he wants me to pursue. And so when we talk about sin, how many know sin is destructive? Right? If you haven't figured it out, look at your neighbor. Ask them, is sin destructive? I'm pretty sure they'll say, yeah. Because it, it destroys you individually. 
It destroys churches. How many churches don't exist today because of sin? People selfish. People talking about each other. Can I tell you? We got to be better than that. We got to be better than that. Is that right? And I believe we have a great church here, and I don't believe that gossip is rampant, but I also believe that we're full of humans and human nature. And so what we also need to have is not just an understanding that we have all sinned and fallen short, but also forgiveness is key, right, in the sin issue. Because we've all sinned and fallen short, and so we have to understand forgiveness is necessary to save you from the destruction that often comes with that sin. So I, I came across this thought that I really loved, and there's four types of sin, and I want to share these with you. If you're writing something down, this is a good one to start with. There are four types of sin. Attitude, action, neglect, and intent. Attitude, action, neglect, and intent. Now, let me briefly go through all these. So for the next two hours, I want to talk to you about the sins. I just want to make sure you're listening because some of you, I'm not sure you were. I see a lot more than you think I do. <laughs> Four types of sin. <laughs> attitude, action, neglect, and intent. Let me start with attitude for a moment. Sins of attitude include pride, anger, bitterness, envy, malice, and all these things. They're attitudes. You ever came across somebody that you're like, I'm pretty sure that is sin. You see someone's attitude at work? How many of you had a coworker? Don't worry, nobody's, nobody's recording you right now. How many of you had a coworker at work? That you said, that person is straight up sin. Like, <laughs> you, ever had, you ever had an encounter with somebody that's like, man, that, there's nothing that comes out that person's mouth that's good. Yeah. Nothing that's holy, right? Like, they never, met, they never saw a steeple, let alone get inside of a church. Right? And you're convinced that if they did see a steeple, they would run the other direction. There's, we always come across people with attitudes, and some of you will say, you know what? A lot of the things you mentioned I don't struggle with, but there's one that's a little bit sus right now, right? It's something that's a little bit suspect for me. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's bitterness. But the example is sometimes our attitude doesn't always reflect that of Christ Jesus. And maybe, for example, you dislike somebody or wish you were in somebody else's shoes. That's, that's something deeper that goes on there, right? That attitude of, man, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. Be careful what you wish for because you don't know what it took to get there. We talked about this at the men's breakfast yesterday, man. We were talking about be careful how much faith. If you ask for big faith, realize what you're asking for because sometimes big faith is only obtained by big trials. Right? My wife and I know about big trials through our ministry, whether it's spiritual or just simply physical, like both your cars breaking down within a week of each other. We, we experienced that last year. And we were like, Lord, what is going on? We're trying to do your work, and both cars just kaputs, gone. We went from zero car payments to now no car and trying to figure out what to do. Like, how many know that that will discourage you just a little bit? Right? You're like, okay, you just kind of get your bearings under you. We finally feel like, you know, we got some things figured out financially, and boom, blindsided. And you're like, what? That could change your attitude in a hurry, right? 
And all of a sudden, you can have a sinful attitude. And so pray that God will help you with your attitude. How many, how many need an attitude adjustment? Sometimes all you need is an altitude adjustment. You just need to see things at a different level. Because your altitude will often determine your attitude. Oh, y'all don't get what I'm saying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach it over here because some of y'all... Your altitude would often determine where your attitude is going to go, right? Amen. amen. They said amen more than you guys. Y'all need to make up for it. <laughs> where you are in your closeness with Christ, God, help me not to be so wrapped up in this world, but help me to understand what you're doing so that my altitude is at a different place where I can see a lot more. See, I'm only, I'm only about 5'5". Five, five. If I'm on the ground down there with you guys, I can see some things. But if a few tall, tall people get around, then I'm starting to go, okay, stop it. Get out of the way. I need to. Dusty, stop laughing, dude. Seriously. I saw you smiling, man. Right? If I, if I get around some behemoths, come on, somebody, some, some big dudes, I'm like, what are you doing in front of me? You need to be in the back of the picture. And the, for some reason, they keep putting me in the front of the picture. Or in the back of the picture. I'm like, no, I need to be in the front of the picture. Let's be honest, right? I have extra Thank you so much, Tina, for that wonderful volunteering. Somebody mute her mic. So, <laughs> we'll pray for her. Um, but I'm always with the guys, and there's always a joke somewhere that throws it, that's thrown in there. And I'm like, <laughs> pray. Todd, I see you too. Um, but when I get up on this stage, 21 inches makes a big difference, and I can see a lot more. Just like that in our faith, altitude will determine what you see and how you see your trial. So let's talk about the next one for a moment. Action. Action sins. This is what we most of us know about when we talk about sin, right? Stuff that I did wrong. But action is often, uh, it often comes from a heart issue, right? A heart issue. So God has to help our heart to be right so that we can then in turn change. Because sins of action are simply the things that we do to displease God, right? So we do things to displease God. Sometimes we, um, we do certain things that really distort our view of God. Maybe it's a constant getting drunk. Maybe it's a committing of adultery. Maybe it's stealing. Maybe it's blaspheming. Maybe it's some sort of action where scripture calls against. And let's call us, come on, let's call an ace an ace, right? We get, we get, we're in a lot of churches nowadays where they don't want to talk about specific sins. But we don't do that here. We talk about sin as it is and let's deal with it. Because sweeping it under the rug helps nobody. You commit an action sin, how about we deal with it? How about we can never move forward and we can never respond to God? If my people, you can't be my people if attitude and action are both awry in your life. If both of them are going the other direction. So let's talk about the third one, neglect. This is often called the sin of omission. Often the things that we don't do that we're supposed to be doing, and in that it becomes sin. In other words, we were so preoccupied on getting something wrong that we do nothing right. Right? 
Well, I'm afraid to. That, that, we look at that with the parable of the talents, right? We look at that with the parable of the talents. Isn't that a great picture of what, what it looks like? The sin of omission? Ten talents, five talents, one talent. What did God do? He honored the one that actually went out and did stuff. But the one that put his talent and dug it and put it away, God says, no, I'm going to take that one away and I'm going to give it to somebody that did something with it. But I'm afraid of messing up. Join the club. We're all afraid of messing up. But guess what? I'd rather swing and miss than stand there and take a third strike. Come on. I'm going to pull out an amen. Amen, Pastor Tony. Let it float into the sky. Neglect. Neglect is a very real sin. When we start looking at things and we go, well, I don't really think they need me in tots. I don't really think they need me in Freedom Kids. I don't, really, I don't really feel like I'm servant material. Can I tell you something? The church of Jesus Christ needs to rise up. Yeah, amen. We need to rise up. We've been talking about servanthood the last couple of weeks. I'm so excited. Can, can I tell you something? We don't have enough people that signed up last week. I'm going to tell you as a pastor, we don't have enough people that signed up last week to make a difference. If you're still not serving, you need to go back there after servicing and seriously ask God, where can I serve, not if I should serve? Where can I serve? Because saved people serve people. Find a place. Find a place. Get involved until if this is not your place, well, Pastor Tony or talk to uh, my wife or, or Rebecca. Say, I tried this for six months. It's not working for me. Where else can I try? Try something. But don't allow neglect to be an issue. America, we are so preoccupied with someone entertaining us. We've become such consumers. I'm asking you, look at your heart. Because when, when God has to say, if my people, that's sad. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face. Why does God have to wonder whether or not you're going to turn? Why does God have to even question that? Why? Because he's giving you this thing called free will. And you can choose him or you can choose the world, but you can't choose both. Now you say, Pastor Tony, if I don't serve, you're saying I'm worldly? No. But I'm saying anyone that serves God has God's intention in mind, at least in the beginning. Keep it about him and see what God does with it. But don't neglect it. Amen? Number four. Intent. The four, fourth one is intent. And this is where the New Testament gets involved in it. Do you know when Jesus started talking about sin? You know what he started doing? He started talking about intent. You realize that in the New Testament, what he did? If a man looks upon a woman lustfully, if, he's, if he has anger toward his brother, or if he has, if he has done, you know, it's, we just start talking about what's going on deep in our heart, not just action. But now he's gone into intent. Why do you do what you do? That can be sin. And so we got to look at that. And so we realize that intent, intent is very simply sin committed in which we do not embrace the reality of his presence in our lives. So we have different intentions. His presence is not in my life. Are you following me? Nod your head if you're following me. Right? If you follow me, what I'm saying, hear me. Intent is saying, I want your will and your intentions, not my own. 
How else can we do that? But asking the Holy Spirit, get a hold of me. So let me say this. How many know that unity is very important? Yeah? So, so, so may we be so in tune with God that if a man sins against his neighbor, but then we come to the altar and we say, Lord, I praise you, Lord. I... Hold on, God. I need to get something right with my brother. And if that person's in the room, can I tell you something? You have every right to walk up to them in the middle of the service and say, I'm sorry for how I've treated you, for what I've said. I'm asking your forgiveness. This thing that we have, this, this you know, thing, whatever it is. Now, I'm not speaking this. Some of y'all are like, he's a pastor. He knows too much. He's speaking something that's very specific. There's a family in the church fighting with another. No, stop. Stop. Church people need to stop reading into stuff. Seriously. Because, whoa, wait, what's going on? Pastor Tony's talking deep stuff now. He's, no, this is biblical stuff. This is, this is right here, Matthew 5, 24. If you have a problem with your brother, leave your gift at the altar, get right with him, and then come back and present your gift to me. That's Bible, friends. So on Saturday night, you're getting ready. Get your church clothes out. Lay them out. You got to get ready for church. Oh, you got to get ready for church too. Why don't you make a phone call and get right with somebody so that your worship is pure? I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens, but I didn't come for them anyway. I got a couple in my back pocket from earlier. <laughs> I'll release them as necessary. But if you have a gift of worship to God, but you have angst against your brother, can I invite you to just leave it there before you give it to God and, and get things right? And then come and bring it to God in peace. Well, Pastor Tony, I know what you're saying. Don't come to church until I get right with my cousin. <laughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> but I'm saying there's something wrong with your offering if there's something wrong with your heart in which you give it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a problem with if my people. So the third thing I want to say is this. We need to get right the fire of God because there's something that Solomon did. And I want you to look at the Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1. Turn there if you have your Bibles. Who's there? Turn or tap. Second Chronicles chapter 7. I don't have the verse up on the screen. I didn't baby you this morning. I didn't put it on the screen. Y'all need to open up your Bible. Second Chronicles, Old Testament. Right in the front end of there. And it tells us something very specific. Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 1. Who's got it? Okay. Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 1. Let me get this and read it exactly as it is. When Solomon finished praying... Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. Watch this. And watch this. I know. I want to read it. You don't read it. I'll read it. <laughs> and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I'm preaching. <laughs> I love it. 
That's awesome. Whenever I can shut Siri up or whatever, I do it. She's bossy. She's terribly bossy. Always telling me what to do. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down, burnt the offering. Why? Because God approved of that offering. When you pray, you should ask God, receive this offering of my prayer to you. He offered the sacrifices of 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. This was the barbecue to end all barbecues. It's a lot of meat. The barbecue to end all barbecues, this offering. For these were the peace offerings, which were great feasts. And this offering was burnt up by God. Can I tell you something? Solomon was praying a prayer that God was pleased at. When's the last time you prayed a prayer that you felt like God was pleased with? Because of your intent. Because of your attitude. Because of your willingness to give to him regardless of what it looks like for you. We look at Solomon later who returned to his place and he had gone to bed and the Lord appeared to Solomon. Listen, when the fire comes down from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, then the Lord comes to you at night and he says this, watch. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Can you, can you find a better thing for God to say I've heard your offering, it's pure, and that sacrifice you give to me, I've accepted it. That's a beautiful passage. But it was right then that he begins to go up. If I shut up the heavens, that there'd be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Now he starts talking about what if people don't bring an offering to him that is, that is satisfactory. Then he brings this passage, if my People, are you seeing the context? He was, he was praying for God to receive this offering. He was praying that God would, would, would be present when he prayed, and God did show up. And I'm asking you a question, and I, I'm going to show that slide that we showed last week that was very prevalent, very important, and very important to me. Can we show that slide from last week? It's still in the same notes. Can we show that? That what do we go? Where do we go from here? Is that still in there? Yeah. Where do we go from here? This is a this is from last week that I and I want to reiterate this a little bit because this message is combined and I want to I want you to hear me. If my people, that is a call to decision, just like I'm going to call you to a decision right now. Who are called by my name? That's identity. So we find our identity in Him will humble themselves and pray. Seek my face, worship, and turn from the wicked ways, repentance. Those, that's our job. We have to decide to identify and intercede in worship as we repent to God. You want 
Do you want the ailment to go away? Do you want what's going on in America today, the hatred and the visceral that people walk around with? How many know that we were not created to hate? In our, in our, in our flesh, we are selfish. We are. But in your heart, you know you were not created to hate. That junk is taught. That junk is taught. And in America today, people have thought that in and of themselves, they don't need God. They're good enough. And therefore, we're taking God out of a lot of things. Can I invite you as a church? Don't even think about taking God out of your life. In fact, the church needs to add more elements of God in their life. There are less things that, in fact, we have to tighten up the ship a little bit. The things that we used to think were right on the border, don't even flirt with those things anymore. Don't even flirt with the things that, ah, it's gray area. Don't even touch the gray area. Because right now, God is looking for people that are willing to go the extra mile in a way that they never have before. Because we are truly heading into that we are in the birth pains right now and with the birth pains of the end times also comes the arising of the Holy Spirit in the churches today and I believe that we are part of that great revival and every spiritual awakening that's ever happened on this planet started with the last part of our part repentance see you could decide I decided I'm gonna get up and go to church you could come in here and you could be like, Pastor Tony, I have found my chair because God moves in my seat right here. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Because y'all have the same seat. Some of you are sitting in the same seat every week. This is where God moves in my life. So you've identified where you're going to sit. Pastor said pray, so you pray. Pastor Alicia came up here, started singing, you started clapping. Even if you didn't like the song, you didn't know the song, you started clapping. Some of you did this, that's okay. I'm not sure if I like the song yet. That's okay, I'm not judging how you worship. Nobody here judges how you worship. Some judge on their knees, some judge like this. No, 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 it's okay. So worship different ways. But I'm telling you, there's a problem if we get to repentance and that doesn't happen. You can do all the other things, but if repentance doesn't happen, we don't see the move of God. You could do all the other things right, and if we don't repent, this part, everything falls to, to kaput. It's kaput. It's gone. It's, it's over. So we got to get the repentance part right. You could sing songs till you're blue in the face, but if we don't get this part right, America will still be in the same place next week and next month and next year and four years from now and eight years from now, we'll still be in the same place. Should we still be here? But God has a game changer in the mix, and that's his church. What if we pray? What if we did all the top part and leave the bottom part to him? The churches that got it mixed up is the churches that start to try to do the bottom part. What am I talking about? I determine who's saved by the way you dress, by the way you sing, by the way you are. No, 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 no. The church has gone wrong then. Right away, it's off the, off the rails. I determine whether you should be redeemed or not. I saw you in that aisle at the store buying that thing. I saw you with this person. We, we try to claim what redemption is and what people look like that are saved. 
that's when we get ourselves in trouble. That's God's business. When we start to... When we start to make revival, what we, what, what, I, I saw a video one time, and they sang this song. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? They sang this song. Let's sing that song over and over and over again until revival breaks out. Because that uh, seems to be the formula. There's no formula. There's one formation, and that formation is worship. It's not a formula. It's deciding. I've made a decision in my heart to worship and pray and seek your face and turn from my ways, then God will do his part. See, the top part is us. The bottom part is his. Leave salvation, redemption, and revival to God. But if you get the top part wrong, especially repentance, then we're lost. We got to get that right. Amen? So whether you're here live or online, I'm going to invite you for a moment just to bow your heads just for a moment. Just for a moment. Stay right where you are. Our prayer team praying, everybody of our, our leadership team praying right now, because right now, this is the part where I, I told you I was going to call out to you. Where do we go from here? Where do we go? America's sick without a cure? No, we have a cure. We have a cure. Are we talking about the virus? No, I'm talking about what's really wrong with America. Daniel set his face to the Lord and he sought him in prayer and he affected his entire nation. What if we prayed, turned our face to God and said, God, forgive me of my sin and my trespasses so I can be a part of your revival. Father, I'm asking you for every person right now in Jesus' name that has walked away from the presence of God, walked away from the glory of God, walked away from the things of God, but Lord, you still have them. They just try to run. I'm asking you right now, would you convict them? May we not accept sin as an okay thing ever in our lives, but may we decide that we want to identify with you seek your face and turn from our own ways, our wicked ways, then you will do your part. So right now we lift our hands, we lift our lives, we lift our hearts to you and we say, come Lord Jesus, move in our midst. Forgive me of my trespasses and sins. Forgive me for my wrongful attitude. Help me to be right with you. If you're in this room or you're listening right now online, I invite you to just pray this prayer with me right now. Say this. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I need you in my life. I accept that you died for me. I believe you're Lord of all. I confess I need a Savior. Come on, say that with me. I confess I need a Savior. Rescue me. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for every prayer and every request. Seal this in their hearts. That if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves enough to pray and seek your face and turn from their own ways, sinful ways, then you will do your part. Hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal this land. God, I pray for America today. 
and let it start with us. That we will find the antidote for the ailments of America today. If my people help me to be an antidote for somebody else as I serve, as I love, as I give. But let me never forget that I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Help me to be right with you. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people said,